Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello, and welcome to this bonus episode of What to Say When Things Get Tough, the podcast dedicated to helping you communicate effectively in difficult situations, both professional and personal. I'm your host, Leonard S. Greenberger. One of the great things about podcasting is that you get to join a worldwide community of fellow podcasters. There are a lot of ways to connect with people all over the world. I met Aditya Mehta through the Facebook group called Podcast Guest Connection. Aditya lives in Mumbai, India, and he hosts a podcast called Personality Development. Last week, I appeared on his show, and he was kind enough to give me permission to record our conversation and make it available, unedited, to our listeners. I hope you enjoy it, and look for our weekly episode, this one on the O in code, coming to you tomorrow. Until then, always be positive. Hey everyone, this is Aditya Mehta, and you are listening to the podcast on personality development. Risk communication is an important tool for disseminating information and understanding about a risk which might come. It helps people to make a decision about an upcoming risk. To guide us today with risk communication as a risk communication expert who has completed his studies on communication from the University of Michigan He has also studied journalism from Northwestern University. He he was a former partner in communications group company and currently works under the profile of public relations. He is Leonard Greenberger. First of all, sir, thank you so much for taking out your valuable time and being a part of this show. Well, thank you for having me. It's uh, pretty exciting to be joining you all the way from Washington, DC. Thank you so much for your excitement, sir. So before getting to the topic, uh, sir, would like to know more about you and also about your podcast, which is named as What to Speak When Things Get Tough. I came to communications uh, the old fashioned way. I was sort of born into that profession I had a grandfather who owned movie theaters on the east side of Cleveland, Ohio, here in the States. And one interesting fact, I'm not sure how many of your listeners would know the actor Paul Newman, but he's a very, was a very famous actor here. Uh, He actually worked as an usher at one of my grandfather's theaters many years ago. My father was in the newspaper advertising business his entire career. I have a brother who is a broadcaster and a cousin in the publishing industry. So communications is in my blood. And after getting that journalism degree at Northwestern, I worked for a couple of years as a journalist and then ultimately crossed over to the public relations side where I really began to get interested in crisis communication and more specifically risk communication 
which is uh, the topic we're going to discuss today and the topic of my own podcast, as you pointed out, what to say when things get tough. Wow, amazing. Thank you so much for this brief introduction of yours. And to be very honest, like uh, the, the reason why I wanted you to introduce yourself because I have seen your whole profile and it would be very difficult for me to introduce you. So, but you know, I'm definitely sure the whole amount of listeners who are listening to this podcast will be very much excited to hear from you whatever we are going to discuss about. I'm definitely sure about that. Well, very good. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. I could, this is a subject I could talk about all day. Wow, that's amazing. So diving straight into the topic, uh, sir, what according to you is risk communication and why is it important? Now, there are many definitions of risk communication, but the one I like to use is one that I learned from uh, a professor at Columbia University who was really my mentor. Um, his name is Vince Cavello. He conducted a lot of the early research in the field of risk communication and much of what I know uh, I, I have learned from Vince. And he defines risk communication as the skills, tools, and techniques that you need to communicate effectively when you're in what he calls a high concern, low trust situation. So you're talking to someone or a group of people who are worried about something that they believe is happening to them. And they are, for a number of possible reasons, unwilling to trust you as a source of information. And why that's so important, I think we have perhaps the biggest most interesting case study going on all around the world right now, and that's the coronavirus. So you have a pandemic that is very much a threat to people's well-being and the well-being of people that they care about. And there are things that you want them to do that our policymakers here in the States, there in India, in other countries around the world, things like social distancing, wearing a mask, uh, not going places where groups of people are assembled when it's not necessary. And in a situation where they're concerned about that, but for a number of reasons, are distrustful of what the government is telling them to do or asking them to do, well, that's why you need the tools and techniques of risk communication to help break through their concerns and convince them that these are things they need to do for their own well-being. So true, so true. And, you know, uh, like you referring to a current crisis, uh, which is an amazing example. So, but like, have you ever uh, been in a situation where uh, you need to anticipate about the people's behavior before going and telling them about the risk? Like, uh, like you mentioned about coronavirus. So, uh, have you ever anticipated that when I'm going to tell people to do these things, uh, some of the people might say like, you know, uh, oh, that's not even necessary. And some might say like, uh, oh, this is not that uh, of a great disease. 
but yes a little thing is required uh, whatever you are telling is just like a way 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 more uh, what we say frightening but it is not that frightening and so on so have you have you ever anticipated their behavior yes that and one of the sort of bedrock principles of effective communication in my mind and i think generally accepted in any situation whether you're talking about a high concern low trust situation or even if you're communicating with people who are colleagues or friends or peers in what might be called a low concern high trust situation and that bedrock principle is know your audience so you need to think about how they are going to react you need to think about what concerns them and why they are concerned about that particular issue you really have to understand that if you hope to be successful in communicating with them about that issue so certainly as as you asked anticipating their behavior before going out and talking to them is absolutely essential wow okay so uh, can you can you give me some example like uh, like when when you were going to talk about the coronavirus pandemic situation uh, or any other situation which you might have discussed with the audience what kind of things did you actually anticipate well let me give you a an example where it, it it's not coronavirus related most of the work i do involves the cleanup of contaminated industrial sites so places where there have been utility operations or pharmaceutical operations or uh, even government uh, operations that have left behind some contamination in the soil and or the groundwater around that site and the clients i work for are responsible for cleaning that material up i'll give you an example that i'll try to keep brief where this was uh, really was an issue in terms of not anticipating how people would behave in response to uh, some information and uh, and then you can see why it's so important to do so it was a company uh, here here in the states uh, that had some groundwater contamination underneath its site and groundwater is a little misleading what it refers to is water that actually moves beneath the ground and they had sunk a bunch of wells on their property to characterize the contamination where was it how much of it was there what did it consist of and they had a pretty good map of the contamination underneath the site but they realized that that contamination was traveling in the groundwater outside the boundaries of the site so they decided they needed to go out into the neighborhoods and sink some wells there to find out has the groundwater gone this far and how you know how far has it gone so without saying anything to anyone they got all the proper permits from the state and local authorities to go drill wells in the neighborhood they didn't bother to explain to anybody in the neighborhood what they were doing or why and as soon as they went out and put the first well in the neighborhood as you would imagine the neighbors the people who lived on that street demanded to know what was going on and they started calling 
the company. They started calling their elected officials and it created a real, I don't know, firestorm is probably too strong, but there was a, an eruption of concern in the community. And that's when they brought me and my old firm into the, into the work because they realized they hadn't done a good job of anticipating how the people around the plant were going to react to this new development. And so we had to come in and, and help them think about that and find a way to, to work with the community so that they had a better understanding of what was going on and why. Okay, okay, that's that's really a great example which you gave. But uh, I am definitely sure that uh, during these situations, like you mentioned about, uh, have to find a way with dealing with the community. So I am definitely sure that there might be some person who who might have an emotional background or an emotional breakdown. I would say, uh, like. Their, their well their well is uh, you know your their well is going to be contaminated with with some sort of thing which shouldn't come in the well due to industry uh, processes which were happening so do you feel that sometimes when you try to tell them some something uh, they they have this emotional breakdown in, in their minds and somehow you need to deal with that as well Yes, absolutely. One of the key equations of risk communication is P equals R, which means that perception equals reality. So in that example that I just gave, the company knew that there was no risk posed to people who lived near the plant from the contamination in the groundwater. It was dangerous stuff and they wanted to clean it up. But in order to, for it to pose any danger, you would have to come into contact with it, which means you would have to ingest it or inhale it. But there was no way to do that because it was in groundwater hundreds of feet below the surface where no one was ever going to go. So that's the reality. But as you point out, what we had to deal with was people's perception of the risk. And from their point of view, there was dangerous stuff in water underneath their homes. And that's scary. They were worried about it, worried about how it would affect them, worried about how it would affect their families, their friends, their pets, uh, and frankly, worried about how it might affect the property value of their homes. And so those are very real fears. And even though we might know on our side that they didn't have anything to be afraid of, that's really beside the point. You have to address those fears and those concerns as part of your response, as part of your communications with those people. Wow, so I am just assuming over here and please correct me if I'm assuming it correct. So over here, uh, I'm definitely sure that empathy plays a very important role because you actually need to understand their fears without even, uh, you know, uh, they telling to you that these are our fears. And then you need to address those fears in such a way that they will feel, uh, 
good about whatever you are going to tell them. Is, is that so? You hit it right on the head. Yes, empathy is a huge word in the field of risk communication. There's an old saying that, that you may have heard, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And in the field of risk communication, that is pretty much essential. So before you would go talking to people about what to do in the face of coronavirus and why that's important, or why these folks that I've mentioned don't need to be worried about any health concerns as a result of groundwater contamination, before you get into any of that, you've got to demonstrate to those people that you do understand why they're upset, that you can see things from their point of view, that if you were in their shoes, you would most likely feel the same way. If you can demonstrate right. to people that you are caring and empathetic, that's a way of opening the door to being able to communicate effectively. If you can't do that, if you're not able to demonstrate those things, chances are whatever you want to tell them, whatever information you want to share uh, with them is not going to be received. So true, so true. Thank you so much for sharing such great insight. Well, coming to my next question. Now, this thing I'm just relating to coronavirus pandemic, but you know, I, I think this would be very common for you that when you are trying to explain about the risks which might be there, have you ever come across people who doesn't take these risks seriously? And because of that, your work is increased. Have you ever experienced these kind of situations? That's a very interesting question. No one's asked me that in, in, in quite that way before. In my professional experience, it's always been the other way around. Uh, it's not that people aren't okay. taking something seriously enough. Uh, it's more that they are taking things, I guess, to, to phrase it properly or to, or to turn that phrase around. They're taking it perhaps more seriously than they should. But having said that, there is an example, a, a classic example that I think um, speaks to your question, and that's the issue of climate change. So we've got a huge percentage of the population here in the States. Uh, I don't know how, how true it is in India, but here, here in the States, I can speak to that. And that is very skeptical, if not in downright denial about the ill effects of climate change. So they're just not concerned about something that I think if, from the point of view of most scientists, and government officials, they should be. In that case, that, that's, a, that's a different kind of a challenge. How do you get them to be concerned or to address or to take steps to address uh, something that is, a, that is a major global problem? And one solution to that problem that has been developed through a lot of communications research over the years is to empower those people because in many cases, not only people who are skeptical or in denial about climate change, but even people who accept that it's happening, it seems like such an enormous 
global problem, which of course it is, that there's a feeling of, of helplessness. There, even if I accept that this is a big issue, what can I do about it? Well, if you can provide them with things that they can do in their own lives, recycle, uh, put solar panels on their roofs, turn off the lights at, you know, at night, uh, maybe turn up the thermostat a little uh, or down more than you normally would in the summer or winter. And you explain that these kinds of actions, yes, they're good for climate change. They help address that issue. They're good for you on an individual personal level because your utility bills are going to go down. You're gonna be spending less on energy yourselves. And if you can do that, that's a good way in those situations where people may not be as concerned as they should be about something, uh, to get them to at least engage in activities that not only make the overall larger problem better, but also help to improve their day-to-day -day lives. Wow, that is so amazing. So instead of warning them, them about the risk, you actually are giving them advice so that they can be more empowered from that situation. Is, is that so, right? That's right. So you essentially- oh, that's, that's an amazing. Yeah, you're setting aside the, the debate uh, over the, the larger issue, or the controversy even over right. the larger issue, saying, well, you know, maybe we'll never agree on that, but there are some things that I, that you can do that will help. But even if you don't care if they help, you know, with the bigger issue, they can still be things that can help you personally. And, and here they are. And that can help to be one way to help break through in certain situations like that and, and communicate more effectively. I, I must say that is really an interesting solution. And I'm definitely sure my listeners will be more thrilled when they hear this solution. I'm definitely sure about it. That, that's really an interesting solution. I really appreciate that. Of course. Yep. It's, uh, we did a lot of research my, at my old firm on the on, uh, climate change messaging. And uh, that was one of the findings that came through pretty clear. Wow. Amazing, amazing. So last question of uh, this episode, and uh, that would be, what do you feel are the important components of a proper risk communication? Well, there are a lot of them. Uh, my whole podcast is dedicated uh, to talking about those, but I can give your listeners uh, what we call a code for trust and credibility in when communicating in high concern, low trust situations. And I think that's a good place to, uh, to, to end our, our conversation here today. The code is, yeah. it stands, it's C-O-D-E, and each letter is an individual component of how people, that describes how people judge whether or not you are a trustworthy and credible source of information. The C in code stands for caring and empathy, and you hit on that already earlier. Uh, the importance of demonstrating to people that you are a thinking, feeling human being, that you understand where they're coming from and why they feel that way. And as I said earlier, 
that you would probably feel the same way if you were in their shoes. The O stands for openness and honesty. If you ever try to mislead someone or lie to them, first of all, from an ethical standpoint, you shouldn't be doing that. Second of all, it's going to backfire on you. And if and when you are discovered to have been deliberately untruthful, you can you can, might as well give up because you're never going to be an effective communicator. So you always have to be open and honest, share the information you have. Whenever there's a question that you don't know the answer to, be, be honest about that. You don't know the answer, but offer to follow up and get them an answer. The D in the code stands for dedication and commitment. So people need to recognize and understand that you are engaged in this communication with them, not only because it's your job, but because you really think it's important uh, that you are, your purpose is to help them understand uh, a given issue uh, or to be more comfortable, feel better about whatever their worry or concern may be. There's a lot of different ways to demonstrate that, but um, it's important to, to show that to people. And then the third, the E in the, in the code, stands for expertise and competence. It's important that when you engage in communication with someone, particularly on a difficult subject like coronavirus or climate change or groundwater contamination, uh, that the people you're communicating with recognize you as an expert in the field. I don't, in, in the work that I do, I, I rarely worry about the E in code because I'm usually working with engineers and scientists and researchers who are very expert in their fields. Uh, but it's important to, to remember that that is a piece of it. And if your answer to questions people are asking is too often, I don't know the answer, well, that's going to begin to potentially erode your trust and credibility. So it's important to be well-prepared uh, and not only expert in the subject matter, but well-prepared in, in the skills of risk communication uh, and, and well-rehearsed in terms of what you want to say and how you're going to say it. Uh, before you go into a communication in a high concern, low trust situation. Wow. So that's, that's amazing. So those were the amazing answers which you gave. And I'm definitely sure many have learned some exceptionally great things from you. And to be very honest, I have learned a great amount of things from you and I'm very glad that we got connected on this episode. So thank you so much once again for sharing your valuable insights. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I'm, it, it's exciting to me, as I said at the beginning, that, that I was able to connect with you. There uh, used to be far away uh, Mumbai, India, but now it's just a Zoom call. Right. Away. So I, I hope right. I... So, you know, so right. Gave was, was helpful to you and, and to your listeners. Oh, definitely. You were more than helpful. Uh, thank you so much for that, sir. So that's it from this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you feel this episode and this podcast adds value in your life, make sure to share it with your loved ones and make sure you subscribe for it so that you don't miss any episode. And if you want to listen to the podcast of what to say when things get tough, 
I have mentioned the link in the description. Thank you so much. This is Aditya Mehta signing off from this episode. Peace out.